Hello, and welcome to the Many Worlds Writing Podcast. This is the show that's all about how to brainstorm, write, edit, publish, and sell a powerful speculative fiction novel, and maybe just change the world too. I'm your host, Heather Davis. I'm a book coach, a developmental editor, and a fellow storyteller like yourself. And it's my mission to be 100% real about what it takes to craft a cohesive and powerful speculative fiction novel. I'll be sharing the very same tips, tricks, and techniques that I use with my own clients in order to help you write the best novel you're capable of writing. From character arc to plot structure, from deep level world building to crafting a kick-ass magic system, we're gonna cover it all. So if that sounds like something that would be helpful to you on your writing journey, please take a moment to follow or subscribe to the show. It would mean the world to me, and it's the very easiest way to show your support and make sure there are many, many more episodes to come. About eight months ago, a writer came to me with a fantasy novel that she had been working on for the past several years. But unfortunately, she was feeling really, really stuck and she couldn't get past the first 25%. So her novel was, you know, in the speculative fiction realm, the fantasy realm, and she had a diverse protagonist. That's definitely in my wheelhouse. So we decided to start working together. And when I received her files, all 17 of them with over 250 pages worth of world building, I suddenly understood exactly why she was stuck and why she couldn't make any forward progress. So as it turns out, this writer, let's call her Nevea, had Googled the phrase world building resources. And she came up with all of these websites and PDFs that offered lots and lots of questions about her world, something between like two and 300 of them. And of course, being the diligent writer that she was, she'd set about to answer every single one of those questions. The idea, of course, was that she would be making things easier for herself. But let me tell you, that is not what happened. Instead, her world became an overwhelming, bloated, chaotic mess that made her want to sit down and cry every single time she thought about it. So what did we do? We simplified and streamlined her process using the following seven secret principles of world building. The first world building principle that I'd like to share with you today is create one central document to house all of your world building ideas and notes. This may seem like a really, really simple principle, but you'd be surprised. So when Nevea came to me with her 17 documents, Some of them were Word files, some of them were files from her phone, others of them were just pictures of napkins where she'd written things. She even had one where she'd scanned in a PDF of a notebook that she has. Now, none of these things are necessarily wrong, but if you have all of your ideas spread out like that, you're going to lose them. In fact, one of the biggest struggles she was having is that she didn't know where anything was. She'd, you know, we'd get into talking about her world building and she'd often say, oh, wait, I know I wrote something about that, but I have no idea where it is. I can't find it now. So by creating one central document, you really do shield yourself against the overwhelm that you're going to feel when trying to sort through three or four or five or 17 documents. Now, I would suggest 
using Google Drive for your document. It's accessible from everywhere. If you can get online, you can get to Google Documents. And that's what I use. That's what most of my clients use. Now, that's not to say that's the only one you could possibly use. Absolutely not. You could also use Scrivener. You could also use a Word document. It doesn't really matter, just so long as it feels good to you. The other thing about the central document is you want to keep it organized. That means that as you go through and move through your world building, you're going to want to create headings. So let's say you're building a world where there's a magic system. One of the headings should be magic system. If you're building a world where you have a magical school, you might want a heading that says magical school. And under those headings, you're going to write all of the things that you know, all of the questions that you have, all of the ideas that are kind of half baked, but not quite there yet. So with it all in one place, you will not feel so lost. It will be so much easier to just type find in a document and then it'll come right up to the area that you need. The second principle of good world building is that you need to understand the personality of your world. The world isn't just a stage that your characters act out the script on. Instead, the world is actually a character itself, and you need to get to know what the personality of that character is. Why? Because it helps you set the tone and the mood and the atmosphere of your novel. It helps you figure out kind of what belongs in there and what doesn't. Consider the personality of your world as the key to unlocking thematic choices. For instance, if I'm describing my world as whimsical, then I might be thinking about magical systems that allow me to play with humor. I might be thinking about magical creatures. However, if I'm describing my novel as dark and academic, I might need to think about a school system and all of the layers of intricacy of that and how it works. In essence, the world's personality becomes the foundation for all the choices that you make. It really shapes your novel. Principle number three, identify the protagonist relevant elements of your world. What I mean by that is you need to identify the parts of your world that are actually going to be very, very relevant to your protagonist, the the parts that are going to directly impact them throughout most of your novel. You'd be surprised at, at how narrow in scope that tends to be. For instance, um, I'm going to bring back out my T.J. Klune book because I love it so much. Um, if I had written Under the Whispering Door by T.J. Klune, This is a novel about a man who dies, and it's about the ferryman who is supposed to help him come to terms with death and and eventually maybe cross over into whatever comes after life. And if I'm writing a novel like that, you know, I immediately know that there are going to be some things that don't really much matter for this novel. For instance, I'm probably not going to be writing out a a deep political system that's very intricate. I'm not so much worried about how people make money, uh, transportation. I don't really need to do a lot of thinking about that right up front, right? Because my characters are dead. Instead, what would serve me better, what would serve my novel better, is if I focus on the things that are actually relevant to the character, like how life and death works, what governs 
how life and death works. What are the parameters of that? What what does it look like if I take a close look at that? So what you need to do with your novel is think about your protagonist, think about your story and say, what parts of my world are actually going to be meaningful and relevant to this protagonist throughout the course of the novel? Because those are the ones that you need to focus on. It will save you a lot of time and it really will prevent you from filling out 200 or 300 questions and ending up with a document of hundreds of pages of material that is largely irrelevant to your story. So it will help you from feeling overwhelmed and getting lost in your own world building. Principle number four of world building is really just an extension of principle number three. So principle number four is go deep before you go broad. And what I mean by that is once you've identified the three to five main parts of your world that are directly impacting your protagonist and the plot and the story, then you need to dig very deep down into those points and make sure that you know everything about it. Again, if I bring T.J. Klune's book back up, Under the Whispering Door, it's about a ferryman and the man who died who he's supposed to help cross over to the next realm. Well, in a novel like that, I need to know, again, how life and death really functions. I need to go deep into that. I need to ask myself things like, well, how long can spirits stay in this in-between spot? Can they interact with the real world? Can people see them? Can people hear them? Um, do they know what comes after life? How are they predestined to be together, this ferryman and this person, or does it happen at the last minute? And, and so that there are so many more questions that I could ask about that. And as the writer, I would really need to dig into that and make sure that there was no stone left unturned, that I 100% understood how it was working. That's really the key to making sure that the novel feels cohesive and feels like everything is connected to itself. And once you get all of that done, once you've gone deep in your three to five world building areas, you certainly can write things that are sort of outside of those areas. You can flesh out the the little stuff on the outside, like how does transportation work if your novel doesn't focus on transportation, right? Um, you can also say, well, how do people make money? What What goes on over here? How is the political system? Does it affect them at all? And I might not need to spend much time with that at all. But definitely, definitely go deep before you go broad because it will help prevent you from being overwhelmed and losing sight of what was really important about your world to begin with. Principle number five, if you have magic in your novel, you have to establish the internal logic of the magic system. It's absolutely paramount for anything making sense. So there are two general ways that we can develop magic systems, what are called the soft magic systems and the hard magic systems. Soft magic systems are magic systems that are left intentionally vague, meaning the protagonist and by extension the reader don't really understand how it works. It's more of this mysterious force. You'll see this used all the time in the subgenre of magical realism, where everything's again left really kind of vague and we don't necessarily understand the rules that govern everything. Whereas if you're in a using a hard magic system, then the protagonist must learn how the systems operate, you know, how the magic works, you know, what rules govern it, 
what the limitations are. They really have to dig down and learn, and the reader is learning right along with them. This kind of magic system is often used in pure fantasy novels. Now, here's the kicker, though. It doesn't really matter how it's presented to the reader, whether it's presented to the reader as soft magic or whether it's presented to the reader as hard magic. It doesn't matter. You, the writer, still actually have to understand exactly how it works. You have to know the rules that govern it. You have to know its limitations. You have to know its drawbacks. You have to know how it came into existence and and all of the stuff that's making it function. And by doing that, you're establishing the internal logic of it. By doing that, you're making sure that the magic is behaving consistently, that the reader isn't going to be reading and saying, wait, what? I didn't know the magic could do that. Or hold on a minute. That doesn't make any sense with what I read on page 59. How is this stuff working anyway? So really, it's all about what you know. It, you have to dig down, kind of like what we were saying in the last principle that you have to go deep. You must go deep into your magic system. You have to know everything about it. And I think that's honestly one of the most fun parts of a magic system anyway. So have fun here. Just spill words on the page of digging into that part of the world building. And make sure that everything makes sense and that it's logical and that it connects with what you wrote before. You will be surprised at how many times you'll have to sit back and say, wait, does that actually make sense? No, I have to do it this way instead. And that's perfectly normal. But if you do it, your readers are going to thank you because it's all going to feel cohesive and it's going to make sense. And boy, do readers love it when magic systems make sense. Principle number six, draw inspiration from real life. So in the realm of speculative fiction, one of the most potent, powerful, and often chilling aspects of this genre is that it does borrow from real life. That helps deepen the narrative, and it also acts as a conduit for this genre being used as warnings and cautionary tales. Boy, is the genre famous for that. That's what makes the genre of speculative fiction, which is anything from fantasy to science fiction to dystopia, that's what makes this genre so powerful. You really don't have to look any further than Margaret Atwood's A Handmaid's Tale to really see this played out. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase Margaret Atwood here, but I remember reading an interview with her once where she said, look, I didn't make anything up. I looked back into history and I, I saw how women were treated and what types of horrific things were done to women. And I just picked those out and used them. So it's not speculative. It's a cautionary tale. I mean, it is speculative, but it was also reality. And that is truly powerful. You could also look at George R.R. R. Martin's um, novel series, A Song of Fire and Ice, which was later made into the series A Game of Thrones. And he has a secondary world, meaning it's a non-Earth world, but it's familiar because it's basically Europe in the Middle Ages. Sure, I mean, that's not really what it is, but it's the same framework. We get how the lords and ladies work. We get how the kingdoms work. That's a framework that we have fully established in our brains. So he invites us in. He makes the world easier to understand by giving us something familiar. 
even down to the way he names his characters, would do that for us. So instead of Edward, we had Eddard. Instead of Sonia, we had Sansa. These names were easy to pronounce. They were easy to think about. They fit in with the Europe of the Middle Ages idea that he'd built for us. Now, I'm not at all suggesting that if you want to write fantasy, you should go with the European in the Middle Ages trope, because I really think that it's worn thin, it's old, and we kind of maybe need to leave it behind us. In fact, there have been numerous brilliant authors who have brought something new to the fantasy world. For instance, Tomi Adeyemi, who wrote the Children of Blood and Bone series, she did a West African-inspired fantasy series, and it's lovely. So there are so many cultures out there that we can draw from, and we just need to dig into that and figure out what they are. Okay, writers, we have made it to the seventh and final principle of world building. It's also the simplest principle and the most important. And it's this, always ask questions. That's right. That's all it is. Always ask questions. In fact, when I work with writers, about 75% of the time, that's what I'm doing. I'm asking them questions. I'm looking at their work and I'm reflecting back to them what I see and what isn't quite there yet. I'm reflecting back to them the inconsistencies and the logical flaws in the world that they've built and the characters that they've constructed. So if you can learn to ask questions of your own work, then you're miles ahead of most writers. Some of the most powerful questions that I ask are things like, why? Why did that happen? What does that mean? What are the implications of that story decision or that world-building decision? How does this thing relate back to the other thing? Does any of this make sense? So when you learn to ask yourself these questions, you deepen your narrative and you help the reader to feel safe in your world, understanding that your story is like one of those clocks where all the gears are working correctly together. Now, sometimes when you're world building, you get to a part in that world building where things feel a little bit fuzzy, where you're really not sure how the pieces fit together and you know that it doesn't entirely make sense. My suggestion is this, don't shy away from those parts. Really dig into them. Say, okay, I know this isn't quite making sense, but how can I make it work? How can I connect things back? How can I make them logical? It's only by doing that that you will be able to fully engage the reader and help make them feel safe within your narrative. Okay, writers, if you are interested in taking a deep dive into world building, I've created a handy little workbook for you, of course I have, that you can access at manyworldswriting.com forward slash world, or you can find the link right in the show notes. Either way, I really hope this episode was helpful to you and if it was, please take a moment to follow or subscribe to the show and share it with a writer friend. Those are the easiest ways that you can show your support and let me know that you are interested in hearing more. Until next time, keep writing, keep dreaming, and remember, the world needs your stories right now, so don't you dare give up on your novel or yourself. See you soon.